Good afternoon and welcome back to the EJS show on the Liberty Block. We're recording this show live and we will have it up as a podcast shortly after its conclusion. We invite feedback shared with us on any topic. Please send us such feedback to our email address, which is ejsshow at protonmail.com. Thank you. Welcome, everybody. Hi, everyone. Hello. How's everybody doing? Hey, Mike. Hey, Jody. Hey, Steve. This is Ed. We can't assume that the higher voice is Jody because we'll get in trouble. <laughs> you know what they say about people who assume. Yeah. I, I could always, you know, play games with you guys and drop my voice a lot and really see how that works. Yeah. Oh, wait, um, you just triggered us by saying you guys. <laughs> see? Yeah. That, that sounded like a non-binary voice to me. <laughs> Oh, boy, oh boy. I'm going to be fluid with that. Pan, <laughs> fluid. Wow, we're off to a rocking start. <laughs> we definitely are. If Twitter wasn't going to cancel us before, they will now with their new guy. Um, I guess the first thing we could tackle, which I'll turn to you for, Ed, is there's been, I don't know, one, two, three, four rulings lately on this nationwide mandate. So if you want to fill us in and give us your opinions on what's going on. Uh, have there been four? Opinions. I know that there have been two that struck down the CMS, which is the Medicare Medicaid uh, rule that applies to healthcare workers. Um, one was out of Missouri and it applies to 10 states, and the other one was out of Louisiana and it, and it applies throughout the country because the judge at the end of the opinion added a nationwide injunction, which is sort of a bugaboo for me personally. But um, let me back you up a second. Yeah. So there's two separate cases. The CMS, explain who, what that involves and then explain the other one, just exactly what the case was, if you could. CMS is the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. And they issued a rule. Well, more broadly, you, you had Biden give his speech on September 9th, saying that he wants to force everyone to get vaccinated. Uh, but he, of course, doesn't have that direct power himself. So what he did was he deputized his agencies to issue rules that would cabin off or, or force vaccination to large sectors of the economy. So CMS issued a rule that applies to healthcare workers that receive any kind of Medicare or Medicaid funding. Uh, OSHA issued a rule that applies to um, to any business with hundred or more employees. And then Biden issued two separate executive orders, one dealing with federal contractors and the other dealing with federal employees. And taken together, those, those, four, those two rules and two executive orders purport to require the vast majority of the workforce to get vaccinated. And all four of those were included in the two cases? No. No. Okay. So which Each one is the CMS mandate is separately is a separate rule and it was separately challenged. The OSHA mandate was separately is a separate rule and separately challenged. And each of Biden's executive orders is a separate rule and that they're separately being challenged. Okay. So those are pending. Correct. The two that were decided this week both involve the CMS mandate, which requires hospitals, healthcare workers, physicians' offices, 
physical therapists, anybody who's receiving Medicare or Medicaid funding to require their workforce to be vaccinated. A question and, right there. So sure. was that mandate? So were, were they using money as their means to push that saying either mandate these people do this or you lose funding? Was this kind of a, a sort of a, a threat through funding or was it a, it doesn't matter either way. For, we're it was sort of meaning people could opt out and say, okay, we'll just lose the funding. Not that they would, but. Well, uh, I'm not sure I see the distinction. Um, it, yes. It's a sort of, I mean, they're saying that anyone, if you're going to receive Medicare or Medicaid funding, then you have to require your workers to be vaccinated. Um, okay, so they admit they don't have the power other than to withhold funding. I think that's what. Yeah. So yeah, and I'm saying so. If somebody said no, then take your funding and shove it. Would they have been effectively out of that mandate? I'm not suggesting that's a route for people to take. Or I'm just. I believe so. I, I haven't read wondering. the rule, but yeah, I believe that's the case. That the the rule. See, CMS is supposed to be limited to. Um, billing disputes, um, there's, and there's specific rules that prohibit it from engaging in the practice of medicine, overseeing the practice of medicine. That they get um, around all the time. Well, I mean, that's, you know, the, the, the Louisiana judge who issued the nationwide injunction, his opinion specifically mentioned that and said that this is an attempt to try and uh, manage the practice of medicine, the mm -hmm. corporate practice of medicine, and then that's uh, procedurally, he wasn't making a, a determination on the merits. It was a preliminary injunction. And the standard is, are they likely to succeed on the merits? And he said, they're likely to, the plaintiffs were likely to succeed on the merits because CMS doesn't have the power under the statute to regulate the practice of medicine and oversee the doctors. Now, level. what level of court was this in? It was in a district court, but it was in the, it was in Louisiana, which is in the Fifth Circuit. And the Fifth Circuit is the circuit that issued the, the opinion striking down the OSHA mandate about two weeks, a week or two ago. And it was one of the best opinions that's been written so far, um, attacking, attacking the power of the federal government to issue these mandates. So I think there's a decent chance that the Fifth Circuit's going to uphold what this Louisiana judge came, up, came out with. The Missouri judge is in the Sixth Circuit. No, six. I think he might be the Eighth Circuit, actually. Um, and it's not clear how that judge, how that circuit is going to rule on it. Okay, Nat, so he ruled in which case? Both of those, the, the Missouri judge and the Louisiana judge both ruled on the CMS mandate for healthcare workers. So the, okay, so there were two similar cases in two different districts, basically. Correct. And they both came up with these decisions. And one of them, you say, enjoined it nationally. Correct. The, sec the first one came down on Monday, and that was the Missouri judge. And the second one came down from Louisiana on Tuesday evening. And at the end of his opinion, he added a nationwide injunction. Okay. So that. leaving aside your personal feelings about that, what you didn't read is that I had already enjoined it nationally. Oh, yeah. I believe I have the same power as that judge. Uh, I think you do. It's like where, like I say. Well, if you read his opinion, he even says that um, 
that this will impact healthcare workers beyond the district. It, imp- it, it, it will impact unvaccinated people throughout the country. Um, they're going to suffer irreparable harm in the event that all these hospitals, especially rural hospitals, are forced to close, all of which are true and, and good. But A, none of those people are before the court. So why is he issuing relief to those people? And B, those are ultimately legislative decisions, in my opinion. Or, or should be, yeah. Yeah. You know, I might have read, I thought I read one of the judge's opinions and he included in there, please correct me if I'm wrong, I think, but he included in there something about um, lacking backing of science to support uh, their claims and uh, um, ignoring an out for people who have, who have natural immunity. He kind of gave a lot of, and he did mention, you know, sacrificing good health care by, you know, losing an onslaught of employees. So it's going to get worse health care kind of thing. I'm not sure if that's the same one I read, but I think the Missouri judge talked about natural immunity. I think both of them talked about some of the other things that you mentioned there. Um, you know, like uh, I think they both mentioned that that it was that the rule was arbitrary and capricious because it it wasn't designed that, that the evidence doesn't show that it would prevent the spread of COVID. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. There's been no data to say that people who are vaccinated aren't also spreading it. And actually, to the contrary. Of course, they can go back today and say the new the new Greek letter. Right. Well, I mean, here's I, I'll tell you my thought on it. I mean, it, as a as a purist, my my first thought is that's just not a judicial function. But my second thought is these these leftist judges are issuing rule results based decisions every day, and we need wins. We 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 need to protect people's livelihoods and rights. And if if this is how the judges on our side are going to get involved in the war, I'm okay with that. We we need to win the war, and if they're going to be good soldiers and, and help us win the war. Uh, we can go back to to limiting their judicial function when we when we save the country. Right now, the country is under attack. Our rights are under attack. Yeah, I'm I'm in I'm in favor of this strategy for winning the war. I mean, this is how I want to win it. Exactly this way. This is, is kind of parallel to a discussion we had recently, but that one was more about violently not keeping the rules. So on this right. one, we agree. Um, now, just to push it a job further, so a, a judge in Missouri rules on something and enjoins um, a doctor's office in Montana. And if the doctor's office in Montana says, I don't really care what you said, what exactly does this judge do about it? Um, well, my understanding is that the Missouri case had 10 different state plaintiffs, one of which was Montana. Oh, I just pulled that one out of the hat. So, okay. And what would happen is the uh, what would how would the how would the local person violate the order? I mean, it would have to be the federal government that violates the order. Okay, so you're saying it can only be violated if so. When he say he enjoys it nationally, he can enjoy it nationally because he's really enjoying the CNS. He is, yes. I mean, that, and that's their argument. So um, in that sense, he can stop it nationally because 
what happens uh, i don't think so i mean honestly steve in a, in a in a perfect world so to speak he would he would enjoin cms from doing it in louisiana in the louisiana district and it will be up to everybody else to file similar suits in all the other districts in the country and get a similar result that's how it should happen that's kind of interesting because isn't the federal government the party here? So you can't enjoin part of a federal government? Well, you can enjoin them from doing certain act within, you know, the state of New York or within the Southern District of New York or the Eastern District of New York. I mean, I don't know how the districts are in, in Louisiana, but uh, you can you can enjoin them within a particular district and say in this district, you can't force them to follow your rule meaning you can't find them, you can't penalize them. This is actually kind of interesting. Okay. So hmm. they could do that, but, um, and that's how in a perfect world I'd want it. But right now, you know, the left has no problem, you know, filing a, a lawsuit against Trump in, in the most left-leaning district to, to have the entire uh, immigration system shut down or immigration enforcement system shut down rather than just shutting it down in one district, right? They file suit and they get an injunction and, you know, he can't build the wall. He can't block certain people from coming in and, and it applies everywhere, not just in that district. So uh, to me, I don't believe in unilateral disarmament. And so if they're going to fight the war that way, we have to be willing to fight that way too. Now, was it the OSHA case that Biden had come out and said, just keep doing what you're doing anyway? Not well. Yes, he did. He and and Jen Psaki both said that. But then they also, I think we talked about this last week. He filed an a, what effectively is an appeal to the Sixth Circuit. Yeah. He appealed the Fifth Circuit to the Sixth Circuit, which is totally improper. But we'll see what the Sixth Circuit does with it. Well, maybe he thought that it was a higher court because it was a higher number. <laughs> if Biden were the one making the decision, that would be a plausible explanation. <laughs> Except that he may not know it's a higher number anymore. <laughs> True. All right. We live in a world where two plus two and is. I, and I can prove that because, Jody, as you know, when you do a mini mental status, you tell people to count backwards. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> let's leave that, leave that there for the moment. But that's a pretty good explanation. Um, on that, for which I thank you. Now, everybody caught the Jim Cramer statement. Was he CNBC, Jim Cramer? Yeah. Enough with all this garbage. We just have the military. Yeah. yeah. Vaccination <laughs> on everybody. Of course, those are only the people still in the military who haven't been kicked out for not being vaccinated. But now, Jim Cramer, if I'm not mistaken, isn't like a total wacko like uh, Keith Olbermann or something, is he? Apparently. I mean, was he until now? I think he's always been a wacko. He has been a wacko? Okay. And I have to admit. I don't that know. I don't follow him. To be I, I, made follow the, I made the mistake of buying Lucent one time because he said to buy it and it tanked right after that. So. Okay. <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah. He's, he's just another clown on TV that uh, sh shouldn't really have a platform, but he does. Well, speaking of clowns on TV. Clowns uh, used to be on TV. Chris Cuomo. So I'm just, you know, speaking of clowns, maybe we're beginning that, um, you know, what is it when they say uh, the useful idiots when they're no longer useful, you know, they take them down. So maybe we're 
seeing some useful idiots. They're just, well, we don't need you anymore. So we'll get rid of you. And, you know, that could happen to Jim Cramer. I think they're really Jim Cramer sold himself as the as the, you know, normal guy. I mean, I've never really followed him very closely. Either. Apparently he's, you know. Joe Sixpack Investor is kind of what I always think of him as. But, but I mean, he's not thought of as like a fringe person like Brian Stelter or something. I thought he was middle of the road, maybe liberal. But I'm just saying the fact that somebody who we even know his name is saying such an unbelievably outrageous thing. Well, maybe he was, you know, previously kind of keeping himself confined to his world of uh, trade stocks and stuff like that. And, and we never got to see anything else because that was what his subject always was. And now that we yeah. see him switch and subject he, for just a second, you get a glimpse. Well, at who I'm just really thinking, is. can you imagine, I hate, we, you know, when we do this, but if Donald Trump would have said this is I a emergency, let's use the military to force vaccination. Can you imagine? Can you can you imagine if anyone on the right had said that? Can you imagine if any if if Trump had done as Biden has done and basically said, ignore the law, ignore what they're saying? Can you imagine? I mean, I'd be cheering him. I think that's what he should have done sometimes. Yeah, but not vaccinations. Oh, I'm, just saying, we're just, I'm calling not out on vaccinations. No. And as far as Jim Cramer, I. You know, I think it's almost worse if he's not a, a crazy loon. If he's not a crazy loon, oh. and what does that show? I mean, it's that's what I'm that, saying. I don't I think. Know I, I think the, the only the only way you can say to cut him a little slack is I think he was saying it in the context of economic conditions, right? Because he is he is a stock trader. He cares about the economy. <laughs> you know, so we're. we're you know, they're pinning the problems on the fact that people aren't vaccinated. But as we know, that's not the reason we're having economic woes. It's because it's because the government may, has made a lot of poor decisions and continues well, to make you know, a lot of poor decisions. And you really can look a little more deeply and not just look at the United States overall, as far as economics and jobs yeah. and look at the states and compare the states where they have these heavy handed government things in the right. states that are open and their economies are flourishing better and no everybody's not dying and maybe their numbers are higher but they're the virus is going to move through and they're not necessarily dying at any higher rate and so you know the damage that's being the economic damage that's being done in all those high control states i mean aside from the economic damage that the, the humanity damage of the people struggling, the people who can't, you know, heat their homes and feed their families and the kids who aren't be able to be educated. But here's the thing, too, that the, the vaccines really aren't they aren't uh, geared towards Delta or this Omicron thing. You know what I mean? So we have two variants out there that the, the, the virus, the vaccines aren't really effective. Don't you think we're going to have new variants? Pretty much well, forevermore, constantly. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's, it's, it's going to be mutate. endemic. That's what, that's what viruses do. I mean, even here in New Jersey, that's what Murphy was saying yesterday. I heard him on the news. He's saying basically all the hospitalizations now are be because of Delta. It's not Omicron. It's not the original variant. So why why are they pushing the vaccine? It doesn't right. make sense. I mean, it's, it's so much of this is so illogical. Well, but you know, tying it back to the to the discussion about the courts, 
you know, we're starting to get some court decisions that strike down these mandates and that are a little more skeptical of, of the vaccination programs. Not all of them, but um, it's moving in the right direction. And I, I wonder if if we're, you know, moving slowly and then it'll be quickly kind of thing. Um, you know, it's taken the courts a little while to catch up. Um, and that's the way the courts operate. They don't like to lead. They follow. But I think that as more and more evidence accumulates that this is just a sham and an attack on our rights under the guise of a public health emergency, there are going to be more and more judges that are willing to speak up and do something. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Part of that's my hope. And part of it is. Did you see the story out of Germany? I put up in our show notes that in order to be be vaccinated, get euthanized. (laughs) What? That should have been like a, a comedian's line or something, right? Wait, what is it? You have to be vaccinated to be euthanized? Anyone yeah. wishing to be euthanized has to first present proof of vaccination or recovery from COVID as per the new guidelines issued by Germany's Euthanasia, Euthanasia Association. Of course, you're doing it because since you have to examine the person before you kill him, so they're worried about that. Now, I assume most people who want euthanasia are definitely trying to protect their health long-term with a COVID vaccination. I, I, I just, you know, we've just lost any sense of yeah. normalcy whatsoever. Well, the, the good news is once they're euthanized and they're six feet under, they're properly social distancing. Yeah, but my understanding <laughs> is, I mean, don't you remember in the beginning of all this, the funeral homes were freaking out about how to deal with these things and how to handle it. So I don't even know that, they're not a threat until they're until they're literally six feet under or cremated. Okay. Whatever. Now, there's a story out there that Biden is going to release some new COVID restrictions. I don't know if there's conjecture, fear mongering, but something about seven day quarantines. If you land in the country, even if you're vaccinated. Yeah. yeah. yeah you, right. You have to you have to quarantine for seven days when you come in, uh, you know, into JFK by airplane. But you can still just cross the border, you know, and, you know, obviously you there's, there's no there's no rules and no regulation. So what I want to figure out, all. Judy, you're a medical person. Makes sense. I'm not. I used if to be. You are, I play one on TV. Isolate the exact chemical in the Rio Grande that kills off the virus to people crossing. Maybe we can introduce that chemical into all the airports and solve the problem. There you go. See, you're a medical genius. Well, it, there's no other explanation for the fact that it doesn't cross. <laughs> well, there is another explanation. There is. <laughs> yeah. We're way, way down the rabbit hole, aren't we? What else is new? Yeah, what else is new? Um, Kyle Rittenhouse was kicked out of a college he doesn't go to or something. Who's following this story? Was he kicked out or did he just didn't enroll? I think he, he, he didn't enroll is my understanding of it. I, I think they're protesting it, to get rid of him. First yeah. I heard he was enrolled but not matriculated and only online. Then I heard they're going to protest even after he was disenrolled, even if he wasn't enrolled. I, I, the idea that students should have a right to push someone out of a university because they were set free on a crime. Um, I'm wondering how many universities wouldn't let OJ into their criminal justice program. Let him in. They'd probably let him teach. 
<laughs> and that would have been appropriate. I just, I mean, again, how far are we going here? And I'm also curious, Abby, the legal correspondent, if I'm enrolled in a college and somebody protests to kick me out, when does that become a tort? Mm, good question. I'm not sure it does become a tort. Intentional interference with prospective business advantage, right? What's your business advantage? I mean, the, the uh, degree so speculative. I mean, I know. You go to college, isn't that a form of an agreement? I give you money, you give me education. And you're messing with that deal. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's a breach of contract by the university. Maybe. So at what point does outside interference get you in trouble for doing that? Um, then interference with contract is a tort, right? Yeah, but ordinarily you have to use some sort of unfair means. It's not enough to just use persuasion. You know, if you just say, I don't like Rittenhouse, please get him out. That's not interference. That's not tortious interference. Even if, even if you hate the guy, you have to have but something if you say like he's, defamation. Say, yeah, you say he's a murderer or a white supremacist. That's defamation. If that's what they're saying. Or isn't some sort, some form of pressure on the university? Wouldn't that qualify? Let's say they go, we're going to sit in the administration office until you kick him out. Um, I'm, that's sort of a tough call. I mean, the, I mean, first of all, it's a lot with tortious interference with contract, you have to show, you have to show that there's a contract and that you used, you, you have to do more than induce a breach, right? Suppose I know that, you know, that Steve and Ed Powell have a contract and, and I say, Steve, I can get you that stuff at a cheaper price. I can, you know, Ed's not a good guy. Ed's a bad guy. I don't like Ed, right? As long as I don't defame him, as long as I don't, you know, do an antitrust violation, as long as I don't do some other illegal act, even if I convince you to break, to breach your contract with him, that's not a tort. Persuasion is not a tort. It's got to be something, some other tort involved in it. Um, and then the, the contract of going to school, I mean, what are your damages of getting kicked out of school? It's, it, those are really speculative damages. I mean, it, it's possible. Well, nothing else, you may lose a semester in the tuition for that semester at the very least. Yeah, but usually when you're suing for tortious interference with contract, you're suing for future profits. That's usually what the measure of damages is. Well, isn't that future income then? Because that was the point of your education. Right, but how many people graduate college and can't find jobs or can't? You know, uh, but you can do an average. Uh, any people who there, it's well known that people who graduate from college earn you know, 20, 30 percent more than people who don't. Yeah, I mean, you, I, you can get an expert to say almost anything, but I'm just saying I think it would be a hard case to take. I mean, maybe some lawyer would take it. Doesn't maybe you just maybe you maybe you, you know, maybe you ask for declaratory relief, right? I mean, that's. That's basically all purpose? you really. If want. you don't get damages, what's the purpose of declaratory relief? Well, no, you sue you sue for damages, but you basically get declaratory relief that the school has to take you back. What's declaratory relief? 
it's exactly what it sounds like, a declaration of the rights of, of the parties that are before the court. You know, I have, you know, we're not sure what the, you know, the classic case is, is an insurance contract and you're not sure is there coverage or is there not. So you file a declaratory judgment action and ask a court, you know, does, is there coverage in this situation? That's, that's a, yeah. a classic example. Yeah. So you ask the court to say that the uh, university was outside of its contractual um, responsibilities for kicking them out of school because other students protest. I mean, that, you know, he does have money. I mean, I wouldn't bring that suit because I don't have any money, but he has a legal defense fund. So, so I, I heard he's a lot suing, more money, isn't he? I think he's suing the view, right? Is Joy he? and I, I think he's suing Joy and Whoopi in the view for defamation of character. I, some, I heard That's that. I heard too. I heard that. I haven't seen the suit. Crawling all over. And I kind of wish I knew you like 50 years ago. Because my dad always told me, be very, very careful interfering in any agreement. Well, I mean, I don't think that's bad fatherly advice. I know that's the first time I heard towards. So if you would have been around, I could have won that case. Oh, well. Oh, I'm sorry. So there's a fact check here that says that he didn't sue for defamation. Okay, so... Well, we have to fact check the fact check. Obviously. Well, that and that doesn't mean he's not gearing up to. Right. So. I haven't heard of any suits that have been actually filed, but I, I really, it's going to happen. You really need to pick the ones that that are so clear that even the biased judicial system will allow it past, um, you know, I'm motion sure to there's suspense. many. I, I hope I'm sure there's many. And. I hope this this boy does something good with his life because he's young. He seems like he's a smart kid. And um, I don't know, maybe go on and be an attorney and do some good, you know? Well, he wants to be a nurse, right? That's what he was going for, nursing. Um, you want him to do good. Why do you want him to be an attorney? <laughs> I mean, being Nobody was about right? to say that about nurses. <laughs> Exactly. I mean, take on bad people, bad attorneys, you know, good. As, good as an attorney who does my best to try and do good and to try and fight for the right causes, I can tell you it's a, a lonely battle and a lonely fight. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I wager everybody feels that I, I certainly did as a nurse. I think my husband does as a physician. You, we all sort of glorify what we're going to do and why we're going to do it. And it's going to be helpful. And, uh, and then, your reality hits, but certainly people do. And you know, I mean, people do good things in those industries too. Ed, you're one of them in, in the legal field. You're doing good work. Your work is good. And the more good attorneys we have, the better. That's true. It seems like the well, more attorneys we have, the worse that they do though. That's why I said good. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's hard to stay good, isn't it? Yeah, maybe that's part of it. Well, it's, it's, it's certainly hard to stay unjaded. Yeah, and it's the pressures of any system that you're working in. Yeah. Well, I feel bad for, for Kyle Rittenhouse. I mean, obviously, it's great that he was acquitted for a lot of reasons, but he's a target now, right? And he's going to have a hard time staying out of the spotlight at this 
at this period of time. Because I do expect him to file some lawsuits and wherever he does attempt to go to school, he's going to be met with this kind of yeah. crazy resistance from you know left-wing radicals. So Now, what would have been the outcome had instead of shooting those people, he would have run them over with a red SUV? <laughs> Too soon? <laughs> Because obviously, in one case, he did it. And in the other case, the SUV got up and did it all by itself. Yeah. Right. We need SUV control, right? Right. You know, Rush Rush started that many years ago, if I'm not mistaken. You guys remember that? He started pointing out all the headlines about SUVs hurting people. And it was pretty funny. I don't know that I ever looked Rush, unfortunately. But How about all the pencils that fail math tests? Right. Good one, Ed. They <laughs> tried that one as well. Yeah. Well, whenever I go into the gun stores, which I can't do in New York City, but at least in New Hampshire, I'm like, I want to see the guns getting up and walking around and killing people. Like they're all just sitting there like glumps. But he maybe they only go out at night or something. It's almost like they were. Maybe it's when the virus comes in. Maybe they just sort of do use the virus as a dance partner. Yeah. Well, you know, there, I'm sure you guys heard there was a shooting in a high school in Oakland County, Michigan, and a really sad tragedy, horrible. The fourth kid died today. Um, and I don't know all the facts of the matter yet, but something's messed up in the, the I don't know. I mean, the facts will come out. Yeah. So far that you're hearing well, stuff about the father gave the boy the gun and I don't know, some kind of messed up stuff. But, um, you know, this is one I all of these um, no gun zones seem to be so heavy laden with gun violence. How what is the up with that? Are we ever going to have that conversation? Now we have to teach no, no gun zones where not, there's you, not allowed to have that conversation. Don't we have to teach guns how to read signs? Jody, though, it's obvious, right? I mean, if there's no, if it's a no gun zone, that means there's no Bad way to protect people yourself. with guns know that there's nobody it, to take might, them down. You might right. as well call it a no self-defense zone. Exactly. You know what? That's, That's what, what it they is. call the no self-defense zones. So, yeah. yeah I mean, uh, we just go around in circles every time one of these events happens. And honestly, same thing. Yep. at this point, I just kind of tune it out. We know what we're going to get from the left. So, you know, why Why is there, because we know exactly what's going to happen. These things happen and they're horrifying. And we all want them to stop. We all want this to not be the case. We all want our kids to be safe. We all want our neighbors, ourselves to be safe. But every time this happens, we do go through the same thing and you hear the uproar for gun control. Why aren't we in an uproar saying, these things need to stop happening. You need to stop having people be sitting ducks we need to stop having kids be sitting ducks. We need to start using that language and saying, look, this is not okay. And it's not okay to have our kids there waiting for somebody to come shoot them because this notion that you're going to stop every bad person with a gun by disarming good people is, I just, it's not logical. I don't know why we don't start using that language. I don't know. I mean, put that in the very large binder of things. I don't know, but it's just another one of them. The, the left is never going to let go of it. They, they hate guns. And it, well, they, I think they don't they, hate guns. They, they hate, hate self-defense. Self <laughs> they hate self-defense. 
they hate self-defense and they hate independence and they hate uh, individual empowerment, perhaps. And guns are, you know, I, I, you know, I think the, uh, the other part of it is, you know, we're going to find out most likely that there were all kinds of signs about this kid who was yeah. a shooter. And there's, it seems like every time we run into, or we have one of these events, that's what we ended up finding out is there were all kinds of red flags and nobody did anything about it. You know, I, I do think that we have some issues as a society because I, I think that there are a lot of young kids that are really disaffected for whatever reason. Well, you know, but one of the things you bring up the word red flags, that often is what the left then wants to take for an excuse to deny people guns. You know, this is a red flag and this is a red flag. And all of a sudden, just us talking about guns now, we're on the red flag list and you can't own a gun. Not that I own a gun, but you know what I mean? That's what they want to do. So I have a question. First of all, how old was the shooter? I thought he was 15, but I don't know. I thought he was 15. Young, right? Young. So at what point, and I really, I have no clue the answer, at what point should the father bear some responsibility? Yeah, good question. I really don't know. I don't know the circumstances and I don't know where I would draw my line, but handing a gun to a kid, this was a handgun, right? It wasn't a rifle. What was it? Okay. This could be like our discussion earlier when we were talking about um, if, if somebody's driving the car during the bank robbery and Ed, you were saying that person can still be and, and those robbers shoot people inside the bank. The driver can be charged with murder too, not murder to number two, but also. Correct. It's called so, the felony murder rule. Okay. So does this apply perhaps to this father? If he gave his 15 year old son a gun, he's wondering what he was thinking the kid was doing. What kind of gun? Does anybody know what kind of gun this was? I don't. I honestly know too little. If, if it's a handgun, that's uh, kind of interesting, right? I mean, I kind of wonder, like, what do you want it for? Oh, Some no, I did hear it was a semi-automatic. Okay. I did oh, read that. It was a weapon of war. Okay. Weapon of war. Okay. <laughs> I don't really know what a semi-automatic means, but I read that. Well, some of you have it, children who are in school. I think all of you had children who are in school. If you saw your child walking out the door to school with an AR-15, would you raise your eyebrow and ask if it's show and tell today? Can you put, I guess you can't put one of those in a bag, can you? I, you need a big bag. I mean, again, I don't know, but are they, I don't know. I don't know. Now, then again, we all didn't bat an eye when 17-year-old Kyle Rittenhouse had his strap to his body in that video. I did. It was disturbing to me. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with, but I'm just trying to draw that parallel of right, but when his parents said, why are you leaving the house with a gun? He goes, because people are burning down our city and I want to go out and protect. So when the father asked, not, I'm just going to school. <laughs> I'm just kind of wondering, you know, in the course of your normal saying goodbye to your kid and he picks up his lunchbox and knapsack and his AR, is there a conversation there? Like I, Again, how did these things happen? Well, no, it is interesting to to, to, to consider the, the parental culpability in it. You know. So again, I'm not yeah. following the case very closely. Either, but you, you need to look at the circumstances. Totally. But my happened. my my uh the shoot from the hip, ooh, no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> is 
you know, if a parent gave a 15 year old an AR 15 unsupervised, it just, that really bothers me. Now, um, how many of y'all are church attenders? So hey, I don't go all the time, but sometimes you are nothing but a sitting duck. Right. And unless you live in a state where some people are likely to be carrying, I mean, I'm in that I mean, situation where I am, and that's a very scary situation. Honestly, we're sitting ducks in a lot of places because if yeah. you, you're in a state like New Jersey where there's no even concealed carry, right? I mean, how are you supposed to defend yourself if you're, you're walking through the mall one day and somebody decides to start opening fire? I mean, the mall, at least you have a little bit more room to spread out and hide and stuff, whereas in a church, synagogue kind of thing, you're just a whole bunch of people in a room and often yeah. one or two entrances only. And yeah, what well, do you we do? saw that happen, right? It happened it in, in happened. Texas and, in, and, and in a few years ago. And calling the police, even if you could get your hands on a phone, would do you no good. And right. I just want people to think that everybody is armed. I don't really care if anybody is or not. But I'd like somebody to say, wait a minute, if I go in there, somebody may be. Well, right. you know, and I stole this from something I, th I think I saw on Facebook, but it was basically um, only the cops should have guns, but defund the police and let's have, you know, exactly. we uh, let's have therapists be the ones to come in. And it's like kind of just really, <laughs> you see the picture of. But, you know, I put up a, an article here, which, again, I didn't read the whole thing. It says federal appeals court upholds California ban on large, high capacity ammunition magazines. If I'm not mistaken, that was 10 and up. Uh, did you see that case at all? I did not see that case. I'm trying to get it up here. Of course, my Internet's taking its good old time. I think especially in light of what happened with Rittenhouse, you know, they keep yelling that you don't need more than X number of bullets, but uh -huh. that's kind of ridiculous in many situations. If five people break into your house, you need a heck of a lot more than 10. I'm trying to see the number. Federal appeal court, um, he reversed a San Diego federal judge's rule that it was unconstitutional to limit them. Yeah, more than 10 rounds. So apparently the law right now in California reverts back to you cannot have more than 10 rounds in a, in a clip. Okay, so all the bad people know, okay, we need at least 11, 12 intruders at a time. <laughs> I mean, and that's assuming though, that the person shooting can stop one person with one shot. You know what I mean? Wow. Hmm. It's a George W. Bush appointee. What's so wow about that? He was an idiot. That was a sarcastic wow. You Don Roberts. Yeah, this is really scary. Again, you know, part of me says let every state do what it wants. And part of me says we got to keep a few states free and get there as fast as we can. Part of me says it's a shame that anybody can lose their rights by either a majority vote or by just a guy in a robe. Ten rounds is not a heck of a lot if you're in Kenosha. And by the way, how many lives would have been saved if somebody would have shot that SUV? Well, they would have had to act fast on that one, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you shoot the tire, you may have saved a couple of people. Now, I don't want to traumatize the SUV. I don't know specifically of any SUV trauma therapists, but I'm sure they're out there. <laughs> 
they could have intervened really quickly. Oh, probably not. Yeah. Well, anyway, anybody have any issues that are out there that they're passionate about at the moment? Well, I mean, I can bring up a couple of things. I don't know about passionate, but I can bring up a couple of things that are a field from what we're talking about. Um, I think one thing that's really striking to me is that it's universally accepted that the inflation we're suffering is Biden inflation. <laughs> and I think that's really interesting, given that he's only been president 10 months and this is really a Trump inflation. Yeah, honestly. I was going to say, well, at and, least- but if you just listen to all the, you know, all the media people, I mean, even even the Democrat side, even the CNBCs and uh, MSNBC and CNN, not that I spent a lot of time watching them, they all refer to this as a Biden inflation, too. And I think it's sort of a, a really interesting moment because the left always controls the narrative and yet they seem to have lost control of that narrative very easily and and very i mean i don't even know how they lost it i mean it was i mean they don't even deserve to lose it necessarily i mean it was really a trump phenomenon it happened during the trump administration what are you going to say jody i was going to say two things number one i i'm not it can be all trump and or a trump biden thing i see where you're saying it's trump but i i, I would include perhaps Biden in there, but maybe the media lost, they didn't lose it. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a strategy. Maybe, maybe it's, you know, they know that Biden, again, back to useful idiots, you've done what we wanted you to do. Now we need you to go away. And this is their uh, strategy for getting him to go away so they can conjure up their next part of their strategy. I mean, maybe it's not losing. Maybe they're changing the narrative on purpose. Why are you saying it's a Trump inflation? Because of all the money he helped pump in. Trump was a gigantic spender. Okay, but that's been going on for a long time. I mean, we don't have. He helped rack it up majorly. Okay, but not only (laughs) was a big spender, but he, he appointed all the Fed. I mean, he appointed all the Fed governors. I mean, has Biden, I guess Biden appointed somebody over the summer, but I mean, these are, these are Trump appointees for the most part. Listen, my point isn't to defend Trump. I think that there's just a lot of blame and it's taken us a long time actually to get where we are right now. And I'm actually, it's surprising that we haven't had this sooner than we've had it. But even in so far as it's a cumulative thing, Mike, I, I still think it's striking that it's all being laid at Biden's feet. Oh, listen, I, I think from a PR perspective, yeah, you're making an interesting point. For some reason, that that has stuck on him, um, maybe because it didn't really start to fire up until he was in office. And, you know, they're, they're, think, still, they're still looking to spend wildly. I think part of it is instead of rejecting it, they've embraced it and said, this is proof that, that wages are rising, that we have, you know, more prosperity. I mean... They've sort of made some dumb arguments on their own, you know, on their yeah. own behalf. It's transitory. But, but I, I just I, I'm really struck by it. I mean, I, I see it everywhere in the news. Mm-hmm. You know, the Biden inflation, Biden inflation, you know, Biden rising prices. And I just 
it never happens. I mean, it's always, you know, Trump's fault or Bush's fault or, you know, it's always a Republican's yeah. fault. And yet this is a really damaging, really awful thing. And it's being blamed on Democrat Biden. And, and not that he's blameless, but he's certainly not the main culprit of it, at least not yet. I mean, he's sure. he's doing his best to be a main culprit. It's not like he's trying to help the problem. He's trying to throw get as much gasoline on the fire as he can. But, you know, so far, not, you know, his agenda hasn't passed. I mean, yes, he's passed some spending bills, but I mean, nothing that was really out of the ordinary for the Trump administration. Um, so can I, I toss out a, a couple of things? OK, re- recall before the pandemic, the, the economy was really booming. I mean, it really was going well. Right. So in that measure, if you can give presidents blame or credit, perhaps Trump gets some credit because the the economy was doing rather well. And then with that, I think maybe a little bit of blame can go to Fauci. Uh, I don't follow the stocks trends, but someone I know does and has been pointing out that every time Fauci, you know, makes any big declaration of anything, stocks stocks tumble like you know the stock market tumbles like 200 points so maybe there's blame to go around to him too i th- i think he's he's not that consequ- consequential uh, a factor when it comes to the big picture of what's happening because the bottom line is we have crazy spending and debt and we have unsound monetary policy coming from the fed and there it's it's not going to change anytime soon if ever <laughs> and honestly we're in a, a heap big trouble over it i mean we're devaluing the dollar and god help us one day when we wake up and it's collapsed well another another story that sort of i sort of started to allude to it last week i think um but it's getting a little more focused in my head. I really think that, well, I don't want to say I think, I'm not, I'm not definitively predicting, but I, I'm concerned that both the Chinese Communist Party and the Biden administration respectively will see it in their interests to go to war with each other or to go to war with someone in the next year. Um, they're bo- both sides are facing domestic unrest at home. Um, The Chinese economy is facing some major headwinds. You know, we've talked about that on the show. Um, You know, we're talking about the Biden inflation and the the economic problems here. Uh, We're also dealing with the vaccine mandates and the people starting to rebel and the courts starting to rebel. Um, Biden is, is starting to look like he needs a victory somewhere. And when presidents need a victory somewhere, they usually try and pick on somebody, pick a war with somebody that they think they can win. Mm -hmm. And I'm concerned that China is in a similar situation and that China is definitively interested in invading Taiwan. And, you know, that sort of seems like the obvious flashpoint. Maybe it will be somewhere else. I don't know. Maybe China invades Taiwan while the U.S., goes to war for Ukraine. I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure what the what the outcome, what the scenario is going to be, but I'm I'm really concerned that both China and the United States governments 
respectively see their interest in the coming year in going to war with someone. And if it happens, it's going to really destabilize the globe. I think my only question for you at the moment is that works if people want to win a war to distract people. But why would Biden have any interest in, quote, winning a war? Because his approval rating is in the toilet and he's trying to get his agenda done. Um, isn't he kind of owned by China? Well, I mean, so maybe he's going to look at Ukraine. Maybe he's going to look somewhere else other than China. But, you know, we talked about the the Chinese swimmer who went missing last week or not swimmer, tennis player who went missing last week. And, um, you know, Biden has said some pretty strong things. Uh, It hasn't been in the news that much this week, but he did talk about the possibility of a diplomatic boycott of the Olympics, whatever the heck that means. Yeah, the Chinese Um, said they don't know what that means. Yeah, I don't know what it means either. I mean, Biden just talks and maybe he just was farting out of his mouth. I don't know. But um, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, and it, don't, it only takes you know, a couple of miscommunications to lead to, to a war. I mean, it doesn't it's um, not it doesn't take all that much. What does the war look like in that area of the world? We're going to fly planes, ships. We're actually going to move troops to that area of the world and land troops in Taiwan en masse. It'd be hard to believe, wouldn't it? Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm not a military guy, so I, I really am not equipped to answer that well. Um, I, I do think that if China invades Taiwan, at least right now, Biden intends to defend Taiwan. Um, and, and sort of that's, that's part of why I'm concerned that the battle is going to be between China and, and the U.S., because I think Biden and I, I, I don't think that the people in charge of Biden believe that they could get away with giving up Taiwan without a fight. Now it's possible that they think that they could use the chaos of a humiliating American defeat to, to get more power. But I don't think that they think that they can just do nothing and, and allow China to take Taiwan. And then, you know, Biden would be able to, 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 you know, whether it's Biden or Harris or somebody else, be able to move forward. I, I think that if Taiwan falls, it, it's gonna it, it's gonna really stain the Democrat brand big time. That's interesting. Um, I'm not necessarily disagreeing, but I'm slightly surprised you're saying that. You're giving them a little more credit than I would tend to give them. Who's the them? The Democrat the them leadership. You're saying would it would be upset giving up Taiwan without a fight and its implications, you know, politically within the country. I'm not sure. You think you're not sure that the American people would care? No, I'm not sure that the the Democrats who would let it happen would care. The American people, I think, would care. Well, that's my point. I think think it's sort of like these COVID restrictions, right? They've gotten away with a lot and a lot and a lot. And and this new Omicron variant is sort of the the mail-in ballot variant for 2022 midterms. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the, and they're going to try and get away with that. Maybe it'll work. Maybe it won't. But I, I think that they know that if they lose Taiwan, they can't explain that. They can't get they, they they'll be tarred with that for a long time because they um, seem so incredibly obtuse and uncaring about what people feel. Yeah. So thing that they're not that close minded. And I'm not sure if it's as black and white as that, honestly, because I think after 20 years in Afghanistan, uh, there's not a little, a lot of will 
for American blood and treasure and, and blood being spilled on behalf of it's Taiwan. It's not that the American people want blood and treasure spilled. It's not that the American people want war. It's that they know what's important. And I don't think that they, I, I don't no. think it's, <laughs> it's explainable to, to people to say, well, you know, ta- Taiwan is just a faraway country in a faraway place and we don't really have any interest there. I mean, that worked in the, in the, in the 50s with uh, when Eisenhower was talking about the Hungarian crisis, but I don't think that that's going to happen. I don't think they can get away with that now. I just don't. And I mean, Eisenhower was a Republican too, so I don't mean to suggest otherwise. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if there's a will to effectively go to war with China over Taiwan. I don't know. And maybe Biden is being boxed into a corner, but I, I really think that, again, I, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. I don't want to predict that he's going to go to war, but it just seems like that's almost the only option for him to try and recover. I mean, what else is he going to do? Right. And just bearing in mind that we get closer and closer to an election. Yep. Um, the further we get into 2022, the more Congress gets nervous. Was it 18 Democrats have retired so far or something for that election? And, and will that matter at all? Yes, it depends on what, what districts they're in. Usually that's, not, usually that's not a good sign when they start failing. It depends on how, how much integrity in the election process we have as well. Yeah. Which is another, another whole issue. I mean, is there any reason to believe it would be any better than it is now? Too many pronouns. What are, you, what's the, what are the it's? The election process. Being... Define your pronouns, Steve. <laughs> yeah, define your pronouns, man. Yeah, I mean, I'm his and he. Have there been any improvements made or any reason to believe there have been any improvements made in the election system, especially with the new variant? Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't know that we're winning that battle because, again, the other side has much more will than we ever do. So at best... Unless unless the reason our side doesn't have will is that our side is cheating in red districts to keep conservatives out just as much as Democrats are cheating I that a long in blue districts. Ago, and I know I read something within the last couple of weeks where somebody had mentioned that same thing, that it's quite likely that certain quirks in the system have been used by people on the Republican side as well. And that's one of the reasons they don't want to get too deep in the woods. But that's my theory. I, yeah, I, I attribute it to you, but I've seen it elsewhere as well. And it's a pretty scary idea. Probably true and scary. And we see that when Democrats lose, they have no problem yelling shenanigans. I just saw Stacey Abrams is rerunning for governor. Yeah, I saw that. He's too. running for re-election. <laughs> Ouch. They beat me to it. But I wouldn't want to be a liberal Democrat running in today's atmosphere because I think there is a good chance they're going to get routed. So, I mean, I don't know what they're running on. They don't have Trump to run against. And what are they running on? No, they're still going to run against Trump. I mean, that's another strategy. Harder. They're going to run against Trump. They're going to run against racism. They're going to run against insurrection. That's what they're going to run on. I know they're still trying to fight the insurrection thing. Um, Fauci, you know, with his statement the other day, what about January 6th, which I thought was a non sequitur, whatever that means. That's his excuse for 
the trouble he's causing is what about January 6th? And I'm not quite sure what Ted Cruz had to do with January 6th anyway. Did, did he incite that in any way? Yeah, that, that was quite a bizarre statement. Was it, it, was, it was a deflection, right? Ted Cruz? I mean, yeah, it was just... It was a deflection. It had nothing to do with the price of tea in mainland China. Steve, how dare you question Fauci? If you question Fauci, you're questioning science. science. Does he represent the science? Don't be a flat earther. I, I am science. Yeah. <laughs> One very scary dude. Yeah. <laughs> okay, what other subjects have we not covered that we should have? Um, I think we've had a pretty full plate. What are you thinking, Jody? Okay, we we Jody, you you've always got something up your sleeve. Come on. No, I don't. I'm the last one who always has something up my sleeve. <laughs> Do you usually the thing I have up my sleeve is what's going on in the world. You guys tell me. Feed me info. <laughs> you know, there was a story that I didn't mention the last week or two that's out there is that there is this backdoor federal gun registry. If you guys followed that at all. Apparently there's a law or rule that when a gun store goes out of business, the ATF gets all their papers. Interesting. And now this, yeah, I, you know, I put the story, it's actually been in the show notes for a couple of weeks because we never discussed it, but they're saying that there's records on 54 million U.S. gun owners because of that. Well, I hadn't seen I that see. story, but I think you also shared a story about how all the communications companies are sharing data with the with the government yeah i remember such a thing like that also yeah i think the gun thing is the only interesting because they you know they always say oh you're going to accuse us next of having a gun owner registry and we're never going to do that but it could be that they already have one and again i don't know how many people would ever have realized that when a store goes out of business i mean i was about to say can you imagine them doing that with your medical records but why shouldn't they it would stop them who would stop them indeed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, you were talking about CMS before. It's not only doctors, nurses, and physical therapists. As far as I know, almost every psychotherapist who takes insurance takes Medicare and or Medicaid. So. Yeah, well, you know, that's, that's a big impetus for the free market healthcare practitioners to never, ever accept Medicare, Medicaid. Number one... <laughs> They can actually charge less the um, the primary care providers if they they can charge patients less than Medicare, but legally, if you take Medicare, you're not allowed to. Right. You're not allowed to outbid the government. So you they actually if they take Medicare, they they're not allowed to charge people less. So if they just don't take Medicare, they can actually charge you less. That's another reason, but. The, the the whole notion of uh, somebody else deciding, uh, becoming between their themselves and their patients, which is exactly that example you see happening, is why those practitioners are out. They don't want to be involved in that. They don't want those carrots and sticks from the government or the insurance companies. So you know, there's a lot of stories out there about medical schools becoming increasingly focused on social justice and rape quotas, et cetera, et cetera. It's not that difficult for medical schools to not accept people unless they sign on the dotted line that they will take Medicare and Medicaid. Or tie their licensure. 
I mean, they want to tie their license to it. And it's a very simple route. And how many people can buck that? Almost nobody's going to be able to afford to. Because the more people who do opt out of those systems, the more it becomes a threat. And all you need, again, you know, CMS will make the rule and they'll call up the heads of every medical school or every licensing board. Not that difficult because that's a big threat to the government. Mm-hmm. You're saying you don't want any part of this. There's system. a lot of doctors fighting against it. And pl- please, God, they prevail. But it's so easy to not allow them to prevail. It is, sadly. I mean, as it is, I think the percentage of doctors not practicing as part of a major hospital is getting ever smaller every day, right? You mean private practices? Yeah, for sure. I mean, here in New York, they're pretty much all gobbled up by the big boys. Yeah. So all those people who hate giant corporations are essentially creating corporate health care. A hundred percent. I mean, it, it, it's, it's amazing to watch. All you people who hate big pharma are growing big pharma. All you people who hate corporations are creating corporate health care. I mean, it's just, it's astounding to watch it happen. Mm-hmm. It really is. Yeah, big That's pharma used to be the bad boys. Yeah, no, no, they're the savior. Anybody reminded of a book by George Orwell? Daily. Mm-hmm. And if you're with us a few minutes, is there an issue you wanted to discuss? Wait, first I want to I want to verify you're not driving a red SUV. No, I'm not driving a red SUV, but I am in traffic on a road that that doesn't have very good uh, cellular service. But I'm in Florida for a big uh, conference Woo! and meetings, and uh, not afraid of COVID at all because I know I can walk into any clinic and get Regeneron uh, if I do get COVID and uh, land of the free baby land of the free. Although a surprising, uh, surprising number of people wearing masks. I was shocked. I went into a meeting uh, yesterday and the guy sitting next to me, very smart guy, PhD mathematics, you know, he's wearing this mask. And, uh, and in fact, everyone at the beginning was wearing the mask, except for me, I didn't even bring one because I, I mean, I have one in my suitcase to use in the airplane, but I don't have, um, I don't have one on me because it never occurred to me to, to bring it. So after about 30 minutes, everybody except the guy next to me is, is um, wearing his mask. So it got time in the meeting where he was going to present something. And, you know, he gets up and he starts talking. And I'm like, wait, wait, are you like invisibly obese or like diabetic or do you have lung cancer or something? And he was like, no, why? And I'm like, well, why are you wearing a mask? And he, um, he said, oh, I'm just, I'm just used to it now. Oh. And I'm like, you work at home. Why are you used to it? And he's like, oh, you know. And so, you know, I can't hear people without seeing their lips. So I, I, he, he took it off, but he held it in his hand throughout like the first half of the presentation, like Linus with his security blanket. I just kept thinking of Linus. Him, uh, him holding this mask in his hand. And I'm like, I'm going to send you an email. So I, I did. I sent him an email with, uh, you know, the three main um, review articles on the ineffectiveness of masks in the prevention of the transmission of the influenza virus, which is basically the, the same size as COVID. Um, but he still wore it again today. So what part sometime- of are you in? 
Well, I, I flew into Orlando and then I drove up to Fort Walton Beach on the Redneck Riviera. A beautiful uh, place. Um, I would expect at, less of that there. That's interesting. Yeah. And now, I'm, well, of course, the, all, everybody was flying in, right? So it, I, who knows where they're all from? This guy happened to be from Ohio. But so now I'm driving back to Orlando for the conference tomorrow and Friday. So it's it's a lot of driving, but it, South I, Florida is still liberaled up, but I'm surprised that in your areas. Yeah, I mean, they're pretty much all conservatives here um, in in the in the panhandle. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. It's weird. But in Orlando, a lot of people wear masks. But then again, they're all people who've flown in for the conference. So, I mean, and or people who are like working in the grocery store or the restaurant and they're made to do it by their employers so it's it's kind of dumb it's kind of dumb kind of dumb but, but, uh, yeah. but it is uh, nice being in a relatively free country of course i live in virginia and the first thing our new governor did before he's even sworn in is betray all of his supporters yep, yep. um okay. well, that's that's yeah. Wait, what was the betrayal? Because I didn't hear that. Oh, he he wasn't. Uh, he was going to leave it up to local school districts to uh, and and local um, you know uh, governments uh, as to whether there's a mask mandate. Yeah, um, pretty much the opposite of everything that he won about. He right. Immediately went back on. Yeah, it's um, but everybody said he was a, a squish. Oh yeah. I did it all. I thought it was he talked like a Democrat to me because he was making such extraordinary promises that I'm like, how the heck? How is that possible to uh, know what's. But the one white bill today was that uh, a judge in uh, Kentucky, I think, uh, ruled that the uh, Biden's executive order on federal contractors to be vaccinated was uh, unconstitutional. And he put a, right. a, he put a stay or an injunction on it, but only for the states of Tennessee, Kentucky, and I think Ohio. I'm not sure about that last one. But I mean, that's another uh, brick out of the wall, as it were. What's a white uh, pill? Um, you said white pill, right? Uh, okay. so. Yeah, red pill shows you reality. Uh, right. Blue pill, blue pill shows you illusion. White pill means uh, uh, that things are looking up, and black pill is the you know we're we're doomed. Okay, um, I did not know that. It's very racist. Yes, it's very <laughs> racist. Exactly. Well, it, yeah. We need so a rain, we need we need a rainbow pill. I'm sorry. I don't know what I don't know what races are blue, but. It's definitely colorist. Yes. Well, anyway, I know a lot of federal contractors and there and I know a lot of them who don't want to get the vaccine. Sure. Sorry. So I'm very, very happy that this judge ruled that way, even if it is limited to um, the Sixth Circuit or, or I think it's the Sixth Circuit, something like that. So uh, maybe we can get rid of this fact. I mean, vaccine mandates are falling all over the place. So I, I don't think. Um, yeah, but as I said earlier, they all they have to do is go back to the same court and say, but now with the new variant, you have to reconsider. Now it's really an emergency because I think one person has already died from it somewhere all over the world. And, you know, start the whole process up again. 
Okay, so that brings up the the one judge's uh, writing talking about science and that there is no data to back up the logic of this and, and of course, ignoring natural immunity. So um, if they come back and they say, oh, no, the Delta variant or the whatever, Omicron variant, uh, you know, this warrants this now. I like at least that the judges are saying, well, wait a minute, the data doesn't support your claims. Now, Ed Maslich, you would suggest they don't have the jurisdiction to say that, but I mean, maybe- well, at a certain point they do, but in general, I think it's the legislature's function to evaluate the evidence and decide what's the best response in a, in a pandemic. But, you know, as I said earlier in the show, before Ed Powell came on, we're at a point in our history where the left just gets its way no matter what the actual facts are. So I'm okay with judges on our side coming to the right decision, even if they have to sort of twist a little bit and contort a little bit to get there. Well, I mean, if some legislature actually passed a law, state or federal, I mean, federal so police powers, but let's assume they do, um, that said uh, everybody had to get uh, vaccinated by the president. That's one. Losing you, Ed. Uh-oh. See, Florida is not perfect. <laughs> Florida is not perfect. Their 5G coverage on, the, on I-10 is, is not perfect. Yeah, and I know T-Mobile just lost something uh, that they're not allowed to say they have the best, most reliable 5G network or something. So, so much for that. Mike, you're muted, purposely or otherwise. Sorry, I got people roaming around. Go ahead. Not a problem. Okay, I guess with that, if no one else has anything else they want to chime in on, we'll close it up for the day. I just want to make sure everybody had a happy Thanksgiving. Both you guys in the on the team and everybody listening. I hope uh, everybody has a good holiday season. It's December, so Christmas and New Year's are coming. Hopefully, we're in a, in a good season. Hanukkah. Well, happy, happy Hanukkah! Yes, Happy, happy Hanukkah! Hanukkah, happy Hanukkah. Well, I had a wonderful Thanksgiving because three of my four kids were here, and if you didn't hear them screaming, you should have your ears checked. <laughs> And a lot of beer flowed. What can I say? Hey, I'm kind of jealous. I mean, getting a present every day for seven days straight, I kind of like that. I'm still waiting for my first one. But yeah, and it's eight days. But who's counting? Eight days. Sorry, sorry. All right. We will see you all back next Wednesday at four o'clock. And have a wonderful week. Take care. All right, everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye, guys. Have a good week. <laughs>